If you're not reaching your financial potential, you're going it alone as a solopreneur, or you're lacking fulfillment and meaning in your life, then this podcast is for you. In each and every episode, Rock helps you create breakthroughs and results so you can live life on your terms. So get ready to unleash more money, time, and magic in your life. Here's your host, Rock Thomas. Before we get started today, I want to remind you that if you want more of your life, there is another way. Now, you might be lacking momentum in your business. Maybe you don't have a supportive environment. Maybe you're tired of not living a fulfilling life by living through your gifts, but doing something that just kind of pays the bills. It doesn't matter. All of those are common things that I hear, and I'm here to help. All you have to do is jump on a call with somebody from my team at rockthomas.com forward slash VIP call. We're here to help you rock your money, become financially literate, understand how to win the money game, and then you'll be able to rock your life. So what are you waiting for? Go ahead, rockthomas.com forward slash VIP call. And let's get started transforming your life today. My next guest is Dr. Richard Schuster. He is a clinical psychologist, keynote speaker, and CEO of the Psychological Assessment Company. He's a renowned media expert, and the host of The Daily Helping with Dr. Richard Huster. Food for the brain, knowledge from the experts, tools to win life, which is regularly downloaded in over 100 countries. His mission is to help people become the best versions of themselves, and as a result, make the world a better place. All right, so our special guest, Dr. Richard Schuster, is here with us, and I am so excited because he is a brainiac, and we're gonna have a ton of really cool things to talk about. So you say here in some of the notes we were talking before, you're a force for good. You're yes. changing the world every day. Yes. Uh, you've got a really cool tool that's come out that you're excited about. Why don't you talk a little bit about that? Because you and I love these assessments because when you can predict people's behavior, you can provide them with a more efficient life. Would you agree? Absolutely. And it was one of the driving forces behind us creating the POWERS, which stands for the Predictor of World Class Excellence Rating Scales. And when I went to design the POWERS a number of years ago, one of the things that struck me is there's a lot of tools that have been out there. The, the research behind the DISC, which a lot of people know, has been around since 1928. And I'm not, I'm not anti-DISC, but you know, there are some concepts in it that didn't really resonate with, with us in 2019, like dominance. Is dominance in the workplace something we should really think about? And so as the literature started to change, as more and more people became aware of, it's not just your ability to sell, it's not just your ability to be a good leader. There are these other dimensions that are critical for success and not just success in the workplace, but success in life. And so what we did was we went through the literature and determined what are the top dimensions associated with success in life? And we created a tool around that, that people can take and self-identify where they're really, really strong and where they're doing okay compared to most other people. But most importantly, what are the areas that they really need to address? I, I remember hearing, uh, goodness, what was his name? The, the author of Killing Sacred Cows, Garrett Gunderson, excuse me. Yes. So I remember hearing Garrett Gunderson talking about a study that was done, and I believe this was published in Forbes, where they did life satisfaction surveys of some of the Fortune 1000 CEOs. And I don't remember the number, but it was a significant amount. And what Garrett was talking about 
was how many of them had failed marriages, how many of them reported strained relationships with their children, had a myriad of health diseases. And so when you think about that, you know, really the pinnacle of what we would consider in Western society success in the corporate world would be a C-suite position in a Fortune 1000 company. And yet these individuals had so many issues. And so it's not just enough to say, hey, you know, I, I'm, I'm a good salesperson or I'm a good leader and I'm a strong communicator. It's having the overall wellness and balance in these other areas of life. Leadership, of course, is important. Introspective intelligence, uh, another way of saying emotional intelligence, highly critical. And so what we've done is we've created this wraparound tool that looks at all of these. And we're, we're so excited. We just launched it. And it's, it's certainly one of the most exciting things I've ever done. So let me ask you a question because the common philosophy, if you will, with the DISC model and other assessments, Myers-Briggs, et cetera, is discover who you are. Don't fight the grain. Don't try to be who you're not. Release yourself. You're not good at administration. You're not a high C. You're not a high S, whatever. Um, you know, leave that to somebody else. Hire an assistant that is that way. What is your perspective or mindset on, because you have three areas of opportunity, we'll call them, or growth. Is that something that people can really improve upon or are you suggesting that they stay away from that? So that's an interesting question because when you when you talk about that, you know, whether your your dot on the quadrant on the disc is, you know, in the upper right or the lower left, the there's different schools of thought. So you're right, there are some people who will say, hey, focus on your strengths and forget the rest. And so the, what we're looking at with the powers is so different in that we're looking at things that affect your life in different ways. So, you know, one of the things, you know, we have all these different scales and subscales, and one of them is being detail-oriented. That's, that's a success subgroup in the rational intelligence category of our instrument. And so if you're not a detail-oriented person, we're not telling you you should run on and become a CPA, right? But the, where our instrument is different. And we're looking at these things that will have a massive impact on all areas of your life. So for example, one of our scales is the work-life equilibrium scale. And there is a particular subscale on work and home health. And the wellness subscale is another example. So we're, you know, we have stress tolerance and we have physical health. So are you getting into a gym? Are you exercising? So these aren't necessarily all dimensions that would say, hey, you know, just focus on these other things, be aware of these, but ignore them. We're telling you that you know, if you're having issues with your physical health and you're, you're self-identifying those issues, because these are all, you know, you're going to respond to 160 or so questions. And I know I did it. Right. You did. It. I know you did. <laughs> so, you know, so that 15 minutes that you spent answering all of those questions um, has given you kind of a roadmap. And so the answer is kind of yes and no to your question, because when you're able to self-identify that maybe you're not handling stress well, that maybe you are not balancing your work life and your home life as effectively as you could. We would not advocate to anybody that those are things you should ignore. Right. Well, maybe it's, it falls under the umbrella of awareness and awareness is the first step of change. So you can go, okay, I didn't realize that I had that pattern, that habit. And if I now just breathe or meditate a little bit more or do some things that I wasn't conscious of that were an option, 
I know I tried meditating decades ago and I thought it was stupid. I'm like, man, I was just like, I'm wasting my time. I got stuff to do here, sit here, do nothing. But I didn't have the right, you know, approach to it. And I didn't understand what the end game was with it about calming the mind, just noticing your thoughts and allowing space for creativity to come in. So I, I like the fact that it's informational and I'm going to go through it. Uh, I just did it a couple of days ago. I'm going to take a deep dive and understand it. But kudos to you to have the passion to go that deep. And, um, you know, as, as a clinical psychologist, you obviously have an insider or an, uh, uh, an aspect that most of us probably never even thought of. So let's talk a little bit about what I'm passionate about in the I Am movement is the labels we've been given. As a doctor, what have you seen when working with people, the labels that are basically self-limiting that aren't necessarily true? There might have been a suggestion from somebody at a time that you've worked with people or with yourself that um, you've helped them overcome or you overcame yourself, if that makes sense. It's very interesting in that so much of who we are as human beings are shaped by our environment, and it's often the case that we don't even recognize it. So... The self-limiting beliefs are fascinating because we essentially tell our brains something is true. And the language centers of our brains are going to take information we give them. And if we say it enough times, we're going to create actual neural pathways like branches that grow out of a tree or roots, I think actually would be a better analogy. And this becomes integrated into who we are, and, and not even at a surface level. You know, we're, we're going to react to things automatically and frame things that happen in our lives without even realizing it. And so, you know, it's, I, I think if I haven't been the first, Rock, I'm excited to come on your show and break out the Jim Rohn quote of you're, you're an average of the five best people, right? Every, every podcast has to have that on there in this space. Mm-hmm. But what's interesting, it's funny, right? Because Napoleon Hill said that. And Dale Carnegie said that. And so from a neurobiological standpoint, there's a couple of things that are in play that really impact people. And one of them is something called the reticular activating system, which is a part of our brain that goes into overdrive and makes us very aware consciously of things that are in our sphere of intent or our focus at that time. So for example, if you were to run out to a, to a car dealership today and you really liked a, a blue Prius and you bought a blue Prius and you're driving around on the highway, you're going to start noticing other people driving, I guess, pre-I, right? <laughs> it wouldn't be pre <laughs> So, right. But it's not that all of a sudden there's you know, more of these make and model of cars on the road. It's that our brain has tuned us into awareness on that. So that's one biological structure that's critical. The other are a a series of little guys hanging out in our brains called mirror neurons. And I actually was asked by NBC to help them with an article on what happens to our brains when we watch football. And mirror neurons were something that I talked about in that, but it's applicable in terms of the messages that we give ourselves and the type of people we surround ourselves. So here's a great example of what mirror neurons do for us kind of in a real world setting. If you took two random people who didn't know each other and you put them on a subway in New York City at 7.30 in the morning. Most of the time, they might not look at each other. If they do, they're going to make that subway face, which was once described to me as, you know, you look like you're about to take a crap, but you're not quite there. Like, <laughs> right? So you're like, you, you know what I'm talking about, right? So the, these guys are going to be on the subway and they're not going to interact with each other 
take those two guys, put them in Yankee Stadium, put on Yankees jerseys, and when their team scores a walk-off home run at the end of the game, watch these two same guys that otherwise would have nothing to do with each other, high-fiving, hugging like they're best friends. That's mirror neurons in action. So in terms of if there is a part of you that you want to change, you better be really clear about the type of people you're surrounding yourself with because the information they give you, your brain is going to be working in overdrive to make sure that that permeates throughout your life. And the reticular activating system just is, is another hammer that pounds that messaging through. Wow, I love that description. I haven't heard that like that before, but that makes it so much more compelling to really be intentional with the people you surround yourself with. That is awesome. So what, what are some of the things that dominate your life? You know, as science of helping other people, you've got your, you know, your assessment. What else do you do? You've got your podcast. What do you do that allows you to feel fulfilled and impacting people's lives the most? So I feel very lucky, and we talked a little bit about this before we hit the big red record button, is that I'm in a space in my life where I'm able to live my mission. And my mission is to help people become the best versions of themselves, even if it's of no direct benefit to me. And so I am a huge fan of The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks. And reading that book really helped me frame a lot of what I'm doing into these different categories. So I've really come up with what I refer to as my four C's. And so my first C is creating. And so creating would be just what you talked about a few moments ago, creating these assessments that help people in different areas of life. Uh, writing, I'm writing two books, actually. So I'm, I'm always creating things. And then the next thing, my next C is collaborating. I, I know that one of my superpowers is building meaningful relationships with others. And it's something that I thrive on. So I spend a lot of my time connecting with other people in who are like-minded and who are in the similar space and asking them, how can I add value? How can what I do help you accomplish your mission? The, th the third C that I have is communicating. And so I do do that through my podcast, the, the Daily Helping, as well as through speaking events on stages. And my fourth C is contribution. And so I'm the president of a nonprofit called Every Kid Rocks, and we help children all over the country receive speech, physical, and occupational therapy who just need a boost to reach their true potential. And so all of these things that I'm doing, Rock, are very, very different in terms of the vehicles of delivery, but they all drill back to that mission I have. And so when I am presented with an opportunity, if it really doesn't fall into one of those four C's, I have to think really long and hard about if that's something I want to invest my time in. Well, I like the fact that you say that because I'm one of the things I teach people is that the amygdala is, you know, going to protect you, as you know, that's its job, but it is a little bit like a overworried mother and it tends to make small things really, really big or dangerous instead of, overriding it by saying yes to things and figuring it out later, looking at opportunities, being in momentum and inertia. But if you're not clear on what you want in life, which you're obviously very clear, it's easy to say yes to things that later you have to say no to because you're not clear. So you say yes to things very quickly in those categories. And I'm imagining it allows you to be super intentional and feel like you're on purpose most of the time. Does that make yes. sense? Absolutely. So how can people get more clarity? How did you get to that place where you were so clear 
at this very young age um, that those are the things you were going to focus on. Well, I almost died, <laughs> which, which, which <laughs> I, I hope nobody well, listening to has to go through. I mean, in, in my in my experience, it was very, very different and, and very painful than what most people have to go through. So I was really lucky at the age of 23, almost jokingly, I bid on a contract with the Department of Defense, not bombs, missiles. This was a software development deal that I bid on with a couple of guys I was friends with. And then I won it <laughs> and was not expecting to win it. But you know, at that point in my life, Rock, I was really a selfish, obnoxious, materialistic guy. I didn't ever want to get married. I never wanted to have a family. All I really wanted was to accumulate stuff for the purposes of having stuff and being able to show to others how important I was. And then I, then I was in a car accident in which I broke my spine suffered severe internal injuries and nearly tore every ligament in my neck. And so what's really interesting, there's a lot of research uh, in, in neuroscience about near-death experiences. And so you, you kind of hear this cliche a lot. People will say, oh, I saw my life flash before my eyes. That's right. not really what happens. What happens to a lot of people, and we have records of soldiers, you know, going back to World War One, talking about this, is that the brain is your friend most of the time. And what does when it thinks you're in severe danger, eminent danger, like I was going through, is that for me, and a lot of people, it slowed time down. Kind of think of like Neo in the Matrix the first time, like they, mm -hmm. they, they refer to that as bullet time, right? When he's kind of floating and he's looking, turns his head to the right and he sees that bullet whizzing by him. So in this accident, for pun which I made a left-hand turn, a car slams onto me full on, my airbag goes off, I'm sent into oncoming traffic, I get hit again and then sent the other way and ultimately slam into a telephone pole, which is what stopped my momentum. Maybe three seconds, maybe. And yet in that amount of time, it felt like an eternity to me where I had this realization that I was about to die. And it wasn't one of these, you know, dear Lord, if you let me live, I promise I'm going to give you know, presents to boys and girls on Christmas. It wasn't <laughs> like that. I, I was, I knew I was going to die. And so my, you know, my immediate thoughts turned to my family who's about to get this call and ruin their Saturday and the rest of their lives that I was dead. And, and then it turned to shame because I realized that all of these things that I was pursuing were really like, I can't take the car and the watch with me and um, partying really doesn't there's no legacy for me, right? So I really had all of those thoughts and it was, it was such a surreal experience. Like all of this is happening as my center console's crushing into my rib cage like a empty can of Coke or, or pop, depending on what part of the country you're from. And I'm seeing these shards of glass from my window to floating in the air and the, the light from the setting sun kind of refracting on them. And I'm just like, man, like this is a horrible way to die. And, and what a, what just what a horrible person I was. And so it was really out of that, that kind of reshaped my purpose in life. I eventually, you know, walked away from that business that I had, uh, went back to school, which was also intimidating to me. I mean, I was in my 30s when I went back to school, and I'm sitting in the classroom with a bunch of these, you know, kids. And, uh, you know, now I, I have graduated with probably too many degrees, but uh, you know, at, at the time that was kind of re reshaping my purpose. And so, you know, for me, it was, some of this was kind of accidental on purpose. You know, what, one of the things that 
helped me really reframe everything that I was doing was I went to a grocery store in about 2003. And if Instacart had existed back then, I don't know what I'd be doing today. But I mean, it was, I had to go out and get groceries. And I overheard two women talking about their teenage daughters on social media. And I had a background in networking security and technology. And I went and spoke to them. And that was really the first thing that helped me reframe what I was going through and, you know, the, really making sense of how to apply this, this expertise that I had, but in a way that was more meaningful. And so that was really starting to shift me towards alignment. And I think that's a question we all have to ask ourselves. And, and there's, there's a technique we use in, in psychology called the miracle question. And the miracle question is one of these things where I would ask a patient and I'd ask them to close their eyes and take a deep breath. So if you're driving, don't do this, please. And, but, but the question I would ask is if I gave you a magic wand and you could do anything in the world that brings you happiness, what would it be? You know, and hold that in your mind. The magic wand removes any and all limitations. There's no money issues. There's no time issues. There's no people telling you that your ideas and dreams are unrealistic or stupid. When we get into that place, there, to bring it back to the reticular activating system, our brains start moving with intentionality to try and find a way to make those things happen. So if you're focused on those things that bring you pleasure, if you're focused on that things, the, the things that bring you fulfillment, that bring you excitement, your brain neurobiologically is going to start focusing on those things. And when you focus on those things, you then can develop a plan to bring them into reality. I, I tell people that you know, the best combination is to find something you're passionate about that that thing that you're passionate about can help others. And if you can find a way to make a living doing it, there is nothing better in the world than that. Wow, that was a lot of gems there. I'm gonna see if I can unpack some of that for everybody. Um, rule number five in my book, Your Epic Life Blueprint, is about focused energy. And you talked really about that focused and purposed way of being. And when you really know what you want, then the universe, the reticular activating system kind of brings you the resources and brings you the people and brings you the tools. The interesting thing I thought you talked about at the, at the beginning of that is something that I've learned recently is that <clears throat> adversity forces a decision. And the adversity of your um, car accident forced a new perspective on life on you. I call it a triple E, an extreme emotional event that gives you a new way of looking at the world. Help the listeners force a new decision without, because most cases the mind and body don't want adversity. But I say that successful people choose their pain. The rock works out on a regular basis and forces pain, becomes a bigger version of himself. He's a likable guy, most successful guy in Hollywood today. Most athletes, most CSO, CEOs, etc. They choose to get up early, have disciplines, et cetera. They force themselves to be in adverse situation, which creates growth. And growth actually creates a certain level of fulfillment because you're being a better version of yourself. How does the average person, if that were a thing, get themselves to be in a situation that's not a car accident, but that's going to force some growth? What would you 
suggest to what I would people. suggest, and I and I would and I agree with what you said about adversity can talk, cause change or force change. But I would also apply another piece to that, and that it's the perception of fear and pain. Yes, force change. And so a great analogy would be if somebody wants to lose weight, they can stand on a scale and see that they're 15 pounds overweight. They cognitively, consciously understand that their clothes don't fit the way they used to, that they don't like the way they look in the mirror, and that there are potential health consequences with that. And yet, when given the opportunity to go to the gym or throw in another bag of you know, microwave popcorn with caramel or whatever, they choose, <laughs> they choose option B. And why is that, right? It is because the pain or fear of pain is not yet great enough to force them into action. So what I would say to somebody who is- And in, to, to use your words, the perception of pain of a workout. Yes, well, that's right? part of it, right? It's, it's, the, it's the perceived pain. And so we're, we're often fearful of making change. You know, you know I, I alluded to this, but I didn't go into this. I stayed and worked at that IT company doing the defense contracting for almost two years, miserable, increasingly miserable every day because I was terrified of what was on the other side of walking away from it. And so when I finally got the courage to make the change, it was because the pain was affecting me physically. And that was probably the only time in my life that I can reflect where I've ever been really, really depressed. Um, so. You know, you mentioned people that have these success habits, people like The Rock and CEOs who force themselves to do things. So there's a, there's a number of variables that come into play here, Rock. Number one is, you know, to get the mind into a place that excites us. So a lot of times people can get excited about what, what could be on the other side. And it goes back to that miracle question. So if, if you were to have a success routine, what, what could it look like in your life? three months, six months, a year, five years. So what does that look like? And you really get the brain starting to visualize what that next version of you looks like. Because remember that the brain doesn't really know the difference between something that's actually going on in your mind or something that you're fantasizing about. Now that right. can work both ways. And then the other flip side to this, and, and everybody is kind of motivated differently. Some people you know, are motivated by you know, the golden carrot and some people are motivated by fear. And you really have to have good insight into yourself as to what will be the first thing that spurs you on. But you know, for some people, so I'm a dad, right? So I have two children. If I was that person who needed desperately needed to lose a lot of weight, I would think about what would happen to my family if I continued on the path that I'm on and, and I died because I had a heart attack because I didn't take care of my physical well-being. And so for some people really spending some time, and, I, and I'm not a person who loves to spend a lot of time in any kind of negative, but this might be the spark plug. If, you're, if you resonate with you know, what would be the consequences, what are going to be the consequences on your marriage if you don't attend to your spouse and refuse to shut that laptop and are you know, continuing to work? So whatever motivates you, whether it's getting excited, it might be a combination of both. It might be, what are the consequences if I don't do this? What are the rewards? And, and focusing on those because once you do and you start putting that down on paper, and you're a goals guy, so I know that you do this. Once you start formulating a plan and you then start reinforcing this in your day, day after day after day, 
this becomes habituated. And remember that our brains like things to be exactly where they are. You know, the term, the term is homeostasis, right? So basically, kind of like the thermostat in your house, your house is trying to keep it at whatever, if you set your temperature to 77 degrees, that thermos, that system is going to do whatever it has to do, either blast with hot air or cold air to keep things exactly at 77 degrees. Right. And our brains do the same thing in terms of our lives. Our brain likes things that are, that are same. So if you want to make the change, you have to be really mindful and you have to be very specific and you have to be repetitive and diligent about reinforcing the new behaviors, the new things you want to focus on. And then those changes will start happening. So um, I'm interviewing Dr. Richard uh, Schuster, who is a wealth of knowledge and we could probably talk all day long, but I want to take you back and ask you a question you've heard before, but with a twist. So if you could go back to when you were 21, what would you tell yourself, but I want you to keep in the context, the raging change uh, with you know um, artificial intelligence, technology, because we are so affected by that. When you talk to Gen Z, they talk about how it's easy for them to grow up with you know uh, an iPhone in their hand and, and to manipulate all that, where even the millennials are resisting a little bit change, and they're like, oh, well, I just wish it was the way it was, homeostasis, blah, blah, blah. The change is so rapid. What would you do differently? What would you say to yourself, 21, in today's world? So it's, it's a fun question for me in particular because my doctoral dissertation was on the impact that technology, like social media, has on personality functioning. So it's a, wow. it's a, it's a topic that I speak on quite often on stage and on other podcasts. And so I, I just want to say very quickly a couple things, if I may, about yeah. what technology is doing to our brains before I answer that question directly. Go for it. We're living in an era for the first time in our lives where we are in a 24-hour customized information cycle. And notice I didn't say news media cycle, although that plays a part of it. And so I'm not getting political here, but what I am saying is that we have research that suggests that we, we are basically creating cognitive rigidity in ourselves. And what I mean by that is there's a concept called confirmation bias in psychology. And what that means is you basically have a position whatever that position is, whether it's right or wrong, and you will take environment, environmental data to support your position. Mm -hmm. And so the, the first research for this really came out as it relates to narcissism, because historically in a pre-technological or pre-social media age, I shouldn't say, it's not like we were living in the dark ages, but it, before social media existed, what would happen with a narcissist that presents to see a, a therapist or a psychologist is that they would suffer what is known as a narcissistic injury, something traumatic, significant uh, that happens in the world, such as um, getting fired from a longtime job or coming home and seeing that their, their wife has left them and there's a letter that says you're a horrible person. And so those people would usually show up only in those type of situations. Well, what's happening now because of Facebook and other platforms like it is what do you do if somebody has a dissenting view from you? Click unfriend, unfollow, yeah. right? And so we saw this in the last election cycle. And again, not, not you know, getting political, but to say that for the first time, you literally had people in 
extraordinary numbers saying with, oh, you like Trump? I can't be your friend anymore. Click. Oh, you're a Hillary supporter? F you. Boom. Click. And so that's what started happening. And so what technology is doing to us is it is basically creating confirmation bias 2.0, which is horrible because it's making us much more entrenched in our viewpoints and much less open to conversations about differences. And that is a really, really bad thing. And that's a trend that's not going away. In fact, looking at college students, what they determined is that, and, and the, the data for this was on millennials, but at university students, there was an increase, a significant increase in narcissistic tendencies, which is largely attributable to social media. And, you know, others will say, well, it's because that generation you know, with they, they, a lot of people, and, I, and I'm not trashing millennials, but others have referred to millennials as the, the participation trophy generation, right? It's not just, you know, it's not that. I, I think that, and, I, and I've talked to a lot of experts, I've had experts on my show who've talked about how to work with, with millennials and the millennials are coming at things from a very different place than Gen Xers and baby boomers uh, would. So to bring it back to your question is, what would I tell myself at the age of 21? What I would tell myself is that human relationships matter. And you're exactly right. that Everything is moving to bots and AI. In fact, it's predicted by 2024 that the majority of interactions on LinkedIn will be driven by artificial intelligence algorithms. So these people that you're connecting with are basically going to be bots. Yep. There's already bots on, on yep. Twitter and LinkedIn. Bots are everywhere. Yeah. So like it's here, but it's becoming more prevalent and will increase yeah. in prevalent because there's, there's money in bots, right? Like yeah. if you can automate something, why, why wouldn't you? But from my standpoint, as a clinician, I would tell myself at age 21, put down the technology, make, make an actual concerted effort to put the technology down and connect meaningfully with people face-to-face -face in your life who are in a position to help you achieve what you want to achieve and to help the world. And in doing that, you'll be able to help others in the same, in the same way. Beautiful. Wow. That was, uh, that was a really great answer to a question that could have gone anywhere, but that was really in depth. So thank you. Um, so as we wrap it up, I have one more question for you, but first, where can people get hold of you, Dr. Richard Schuster? So there's a couple of different ways. If you want to check out my podcast, where Rock, you've been on there, which was a great episode. It's thedailyhelping.com. Food for the brain, knowledge from the experts, tools to win at life is the subtitle for our show. Again, thedailyhelping.com, where I interview some of the world's top thought leaders and, and influencers who want to share their expertise to make the world a better place. If you're interested in checking out the powers, you can go to www.seekyourpowers.com and learn about this instrument. Again, that's seekyourpowers.com. And I also will shamelessly plug my nonprofit that helps children. That's everykidrocks.org, everykidrocks.org. And we're making a difference to help kids reach their true potential. That's awesome. And we'll have all that stuff in the show notes as well. So it's easy reference for you. So um, final thought is what is success to you and how would you frame that keeping in mind um, your identity, who you are, I am in the vein of success? In the vein of success, I am true to my mission. 
of helping others become the best versions of themselves. And in doing that, it allows me to be a good husband. It allows me to be uh, a present parent and not just a good parent, but a parent who's present and active in the lives of my children. And that I'm not compromising. I think at this point, Rock, I'm kind of unemployable. I think that, you know, I have kind of found like my dream life and I'm doing things that not only tap what I feel are my skill sets, but within that wheelhouse of going back to my mission and purpose of making a difference in the lives of others. So I think I answered your question. <laughs> quite yeah. Sure. Yeah. I think you did too. And then I'm going to flip it now and say that uh, a guy like you, who's always a seeker and, and who's always looking to be the best version of himself, what's the area that you look at right now? And I'll, I'll lead with mine is, um, I think my life is pretty awesome, but I'm always looking to tweak. So right now I'm, I've got a personal trainer I'm working out with three times a week and I'm going uh, on a cleanse and I got a nutritionist and I've decided to dial that part of my life. Even though I think it's an 8.5 or 9 on 10, I'm going to see where I can take it. Where's an area of your life that you're like, you know what, I want to take that to the next level? It's really, for me, that I think the biggest adjustment that I've made is recognizing that I have to stay in my lane. I know what I'm good at. And then it's being able to identify those things that are not within my skill sets, finding the people who, of course, align with my values and are, have integrity and whatnot, but basically giving them the ball and saying, run with this. And so, you know, great example is I, I'm not a funnels guy. I don't know how to create funnels. I don't know, you know, what makes a good funnel and how to convert that funnel. And so I hired one of the best people in the business who's doing just that for me. Right. And so I, and I, and I think too, like this is something that we as entrepreneurs often struggle with is that we sometimes out of necessity, but sometimes because it's hard for us to let go of that, let go of our baby a little bit is that we try and do everything. But when you try and do that, there are going to be other elements of your life that suffer and whether it's, you know, physical wellness, you know, like you're, you've identified that that's a growth area for you and you want to, you've got a personal trainer and a nutritionist and you're making those changes. But if we try and control every aspect of our lives and something by default has to suffer. And, and if we're, if we just are able to step back a little bit and offload some of those things to other people that that's their, that's their go-to, that's their specialty, it enhances everything that we're doing. So you are a great delegator then. I would, I would say that's something I'm working to improve on, but I'm heavily focused on it, yes. Very nice. Well, Dr. Richard Schuster, thanks for joining us on the show today. Always a treat to have you. And for those of you that are listening, remember that the words that follow I am, follow you, describe yourself in an empowering way with consciousness and watch the neural pathways in your brain begin to become larger and larger in a way that can allow you to go for what you want. So thanks again, Richard, Dr. Richard, for uh, being on the show. I love being here. Thank you. So that's it for today's episode of Rock Your Money, Rock Your Life. Head on over to iTunes and subscribe to the show. Then head on over to rockyourmoneyrockyourlife.com and pick up a copy of Rock's free gift so you too can reach your financial potential, enjoy extraordinary success, and live the life you've imagined. Join us on the next episode.